With all the media attention on the social media influencer Andrew Tate, this week we're talking about misogyny, how it manifests itself in the classroom and what steps could be taken to counteract it. We've had loads of feedback in the inbox about this. Would you like to read our first comment, Jodie? I would, yeah. Um, This one is just sums everything up. I've had the whole walking past hands-on waste thing happen to me in the past year. I politely said something about it, but then somehow the situation flipped and I was made to feel like I was some kind of princess who had the audacity to mention it. I don't think I can change it much for myself, but when I see my five-year-old taking the hands of women and girls and kissing the back of it, like some hybrid of Gomez Adams and Pepe Le Pew, I address it. Then I feel good that I've addressed it, but wonder where he ever saw it. I read about it and hand-kissing is seen some chivalrous way to greet a woman, but that in itself is a bit icky. I don't know what's right anymore. And that is from a mum to a five-year-old boy. It's your own time you're wasting. Ramblings from Beyond the Classroom with Marie and Jodie. So this week, our guest is Neil Morland, who isn't a misogynist, but is male. He's a geography learning engineer, AST lead practitioner, who is in his 27th year of teaching. He's passionate about teaching and learning and inclusivity in the classroom. Hi, Neil. Can you just answer a question for me? Yeah, hi, good evening. Hi, what is a learning engineer? Well, a learning engineer is uh, a posher version of saying a teacher. When you go to, mm-hmm. uh, you go out, go out for a meal and somebody says, what do you do? And you say, I'm a teacher. Um, you get the immediate, they roll oh, their you, eyes. you get the 30, yeah. 30 weeks, here, blah, blah, blah. So if you say I'm a learning engineer, um, they go, oh, that sounds interesting. You say, yeah, well, I, I spend my days engineering learning opportunities for young people. Oh, and good that, tip there for all those that, teachers out that, there. And that engages a whole new audience and it <laughs> opens up a whole new avenue of conversation. So um, I'm a teacher, but uh, learning engineer, make I think, sounds better than a teacher somehow. Yeah. Actually, it might, might help the um, the relationship in the classroom mm. if the pupils thought of you as a learning engineer. So you're facilitating I've heard that a facilitator, not a yeah, teacher, is rather than difference. pouring knowledge into an empty vessel. So you've been teaching for quite a long time and obviously 27 years ago was pre-social media yep. um, how do you think it's changed in that 27 years I think the, the classroom um, I think the classroom itself is in my opinion has largely stayed the same the dynamics mm-hmm. of of teaching young people I know everyone brings books and things like that and it, it, it's it's a very simple procedure and I think that the dynamics for me and I appreciate my male and I'm, I'm, I'm 52 and got experience but for me the dynamics of the classroom hasn't changed in that respect Mm. what has changed um what i've noticed is that um you know things are changing when students come in and say sir is it true that and you know instantly that it's something they've read off the internet Mm. and today's one was sir is it true that the americans are shooting down ufos over their country i said of course not that's nonsense and so and it goes to the point you were saying before that um, what social media has done in the classroom has massively diminished um, students' ability to 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 inquire and to find out what's what. Um, they take things as being gospel. You know, I I can could talk for nonsense for half an hour in the classroom, mm-hmm. and they'd still probably write it down and and mm-hmm. not say, "Hold on a minute." And I think I think that for me has been 
one of the bigger impacts of social media. And, and it's just the inability to, to, to find the truth in something. Um, yeah. If somebody on the, on the internet says, uh, you know, put your fingers in the ear and jump, on, hop on one foot, you'll become a unicorn. They would probably mm-hmm. believe it, um, if it if it was somebody of, you know, Love Island or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. it, it sort of diminished um, the experts in many ways in, in that anybody who has an opinion now is, is free to share it. Um, mm-hmm. Whether the opinion is patently mm-hmm. wrong or not, um, they're allowed to do so. And people believe it and, and they take it as gospel. And, and as you know, young people are massively influenced by um you know by celebrity and, and so yeah, on and yeah. um but i think a, i think a bigger impact for me has been covid i think covid has um as you as we remove children from the classroom for those sort of periods of lockdown mm-hmm. i think um the views that they've been getting um they've been more influenced by the yeah. internet in, in that period mm-hmm. and you know views from home have become more entrenched and what we've picked up afterwards is a deluge of students who um, obviously, mental health is, is a big issue, but arrived with these uh, quite deeply entrenched views that they perhaps didn't have before mm-hmm. or, or were there. And it's very, very difficult yeah. to unpick those, um, even more so when they're being sort of constantly, you know, emblazoned on, on social media and what have you. So I, I don't think the dynamics of the classroom in terms of delivering lesson has changed, but I'm having to change my way of doing things because students don't inquire, they don't. Yeah. They take they take things mm. as being as gospel, um, and almost the point where if you say that's wrong, they will say, "Well, no, it's not," because yeah. some so said it. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to just pick up, like you said, about COVID, and because obviously during COVID, you are we were all spending so much time around our family, and it became this kind of echo chamber of people who sort of agreed with you generally mm. and had the same life experience as mm. you. I, I, just kind of if you're in that background where it is not the right, it's not a positive home environment and mm-hmm. you perhaps have parents and a family that have got views that are outdated, that's then going to extenuate the problem as much as social media. And also, um, what else did they have to do but go on the internet yeah. in that time? Because you couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't do anything, you couldn't meet your friends. So they must the use of social media mm. perhaps went up during the pandemic i don't know but... oh, i think it certainly did i think um yeah. i think um obviously that is the, the way students communicate these days is is that you know that is the way they communicate and yes, um is. you know they everything is done via whatever mm-hmm. um and their window into their world is is their phone and um you know when i was younger it was bbc one two and three and that was it and and that's yeah. that's the information that you got and and you know now information is just bombarded. And I, and I think in the defense of the youngsters, um, and I know we're going to be talking about boys in a moment, I think it's very, very difficult for them to filter out what is and what isn't fact mm. or fiction. And yeah. th- that's what I think our students are finding particularly difficult because they don't know who to believe. Um, mm. um, and I think that's a very difficult problem to unpick and, and sort of mm. unravel. What's on your mind? Let us know your thoughts, ideas, and anecdotes. Drop us a line at beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk. So when I first came into training, it was all about the prevent strategy. That was like the new thing in teaching. And we had so much training about it and so much talking about it. And kind of this 
come sort of under that because you're still mm. preventing them from being mm. radicalized it's yeah. not what that was meant for but and that's actually, not what they focused on with the prevent strategy is it but it is still radicalizing it's, it's our young people thing. yeah and that's so important not to do that it's so important I agree, and, and and I think I think the word influence. I mean, the, the internet is the wild west, isn't mm. it? There, there is almost yeah. no, you know, it, it, whatever Google or anything says about it, it is the wild west. It's it's largely unpoliced, and I think the word influencer, I think, is a very very dangerous um, phrase. In that, you know, you, you're influencing young people to believe a certain thing, which by definition is radicalization, and mm. um, uh, you know, I, I'm not certain how they get away with it, and. You know that the, the kind of a catch-all is well. You know we've got we live in a country with free speech, but free speech come, comes with a great cost attached to it. And mm-hmm. the reason yeah. we've got free speech and able to have differing opinions is because you know we, we're in a country where it's been fought for. And mm-hmm. um, with freedom of speech comes a huge responsibility yeah. um, to a not say things that are patently wrong, and b not say things that are divisive or hurtful. And those those lines have become blurred. And you know whilst you can't go online and talk about terrorism. Mm. You can go online mm. and talk about, um, you know, vile things against women or anything mm. else. And it's my opinion. So it's my opinion, but it's, it's, it's the same difference. And I think there needs to be some conversation much, much higher than me that, mm. that, that, that you know, talks about this as being um, a form of radicalization. And um, absolutely. Yeah. You, know, it, 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 I, you know, having me teaching as long as I have, you you can see the way, Particularly mm. with boys that we'll, that we'll talk about talk about later, that how boys are becoming hugely influenced by certain voices in certain platforms, and mm. Um, mm. that is changing their behaviour. And if you're changing their behaviour by for the wrong reasons, yeah. by definition, that is radicalisation. And I think that's a, a very sinister thing that is cropping up. Um, I think it's incredibly dangerous. So, what would you do to support? We're talking about young men in particular in this episode. So what would you do to support young men to see past the negative viewpoints? I, th- I think one of the one of the issues is that um, certainly in our school, and I'm, and I'm sure it's not, I'm sure it's the same. You know, if somebody says something, um, you know, within earshot, the first thing is don't say that. And invariably ends in a consequence, which doesn't yeah. really solve the problem. You, no. You're just telling a boy off for saying something. And the boy doesn't necessarily know, and I'm, I'm sure some do, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, but doesn't necessarily know that what they have, why they have said something, mm. and why that is so wrong and hurtful. So, yes. um, I think there's a lot of a lot of work to be done. I know education is is a thing, uh, but we, we, we've got to have conversations with boys uh, in a forum mm-hmm. where we can discuss these things, and they can say these things openly without the fit the consequence of you're going to get punished. Yeah. And be able to explain to them, you know, why is it so hurtful that you've said this and why is that so wrong? Um, because at the moment, the tendency is to, you know, create a climate where um, you, you shut the conversation down. We don't have that conversation here. Um, mm-hmm. and But we do. Boys are having it, whether it's in the classroom, that boy, boys are having that conversation. And if you shut down the conversation, you, you're sort of t- telling the boys that, you know, it reinforces our idea that the likes of Andrew Tate are being silenced and they can't yeah, say. Yeah, I think it's the worst thing you can do, really. And you and you empower them then to well, yeah. You know, Andrew Tate's being silenced. Well, he's being silenced because of what he's actually saying. Yes. And there are two sides to Andrew Tate, which I think is quite sinister. The first one is that um, 
the, the, the boys initially, but I think bought into the fact that he's he's wealthy, he's mm. fit, he's muscular, he drives yeah. fast cars, and it's kind of you know it's it, it's a boyish ideal to have fast cars. But then what he's what he's very cleverly done, and and and, and make no kind of mistake, Andrew Tate is a very clever, yes. devious man. What he's managed to weave into the fabric of being a cigar smoking man with fast cars and a you know a fast lifestyle. He's managed to very successfully weave into that that part of that lifestyle involves being misogynistic and mm. violent, and that's almost been a creeping sort of mm. thing. Um, and I think one of the issues that we're, that we're facing in school is that I don't think enough people are comfortable having the conversations and comfortable challenging that, particularly yes. maybe teachers that are new into the profession. Yeah, um, I think particularly. Um, it, female staff that perhaps yeah. have been victim of misogyny i think it's very difficult to have that conversation um you know within the classroom so i think what needs to happen um rather than calling them out for what they're doing mm. we need to call them in we need to call them yeah. into a conversation yeah totally and agree. we need to listen to what they've got to say and then explain to them you know, in a, in a in a calm, open forum, that absolutely what you've just said is incredibly damaging and incredibly hurtful. And I think once you open that dialogue with them, um, you know, giving the boys time to express the views and yeah, you know, what what they actually mean. So, for example, one of the current comments, which is um, quite upsetting, you know, is that when boys are talking about playing FIFA soccer, mm. if they've been beaten five nil by a friend. Yeah. In their language, they say, I was raped last night by such and such on FIFA. Mm. Now, oh. they, don't, they don't mean it in, no. in the sense that yeah. but the word raped to them has become to be, you know, as, you know to, be, to be beaten and, and whatever. So mm. that there That's is rather... Horrible. It is horrible. It's, it's absolutely vile. But the conversation that needs to be had is, to, you know, wh- why is that bad, sir? Well, it's bad because this, you know, yeah. and rather than castigate them and call them out mm. on it, Absolutely. We need to call them into a conversation and say mm. to the boys, look, saying that you were raped last night is incredibly hurtful um, yeah. and incredibly damaging um, in the context of what rape actually means, which mm. is sexual violence. And yeah. when you yeah. when you explain to them about the connotation and the language used, um, I think that's when you start to chip away at the the misogyny and the Andrew Tate mm. and, the, and the sort of mm. the almost casual, well, it was only a joke, sir. Well, yeah, no, it wasn't. But it's though. not, is it? No, it is not. We've got a couple of excellent comments to add in here. Um, mm-hmm. So this one is from a recent graduate. I've often found when talking to boys about feminism, some boys shut off and put up a defence, thinking I'm suggesting men are the root of all evil and having a go at them. And I'm actually trying to explain that toxic masculinity and the gender roles and stereotypes it enforces are harmful to men and boys too. Mm. I think you've got one as well, Marie, don't you? I do. I think that addressing misogyny with young men in a way that tries to avoid making them feel like they're being attacked is important. Just Mm. speaking from experience, I've seen plenty of young men retreat into the depths of the internet and start following and preaching the gospel of misogynistic influencers because they feel like they're not being listened to. I think we need to involve them in the conversation so they don't feel like they're being blamed for everything and emphasise why and how gender equality actually benefits everyone. Men's mental health is Mm. just one example I can think of here. 
I also think it's vital for male teachers to step up and deliver key messages around this too. And that's from someone that teaches RSE relationships and sex education. I think, I think just picking up on one of the things you said before, I think the, the language of toxic masculinity, I think that's quite a counterproductive phrase. I think it's quite highly charged because mm. I think a lot of boys' behaviours are referred to as, well, it's just toxic masculinity. And, you know, where, where yeah. is in fact just antisocial behaviour is what it is. I think, um, you know, having spent it, part of my role at school is I'm part of the, the inclusion and diversity and equity um, working party. And we're, mm. we're looking at ways of, of reframing toxic masculinity. And I think um, one of the mm. problems that, that boys are facing is there's quite a broad spectrum of being a boy. Um, and the, yes. on the one end of the spectrum is the, the Andrew Tate, muscly, macho, I'm a real man. But the other end mm. of the spectrum, there are very tender, um, you know, very introspective, yeah. very, you know, um, you know, since vulnerable, open boys who yeah. get... Mm. sort of overtly outed because they're they're perceived to be feminine um so mm. you know a lot of we're having a lot of conversation around getting rid of toxic masculinity is sort of you know all boys are toxic mm. and, and masculine but changing that mm. to either tender or non-tender behavior um and what we're starting oh. to find mm. is that you know being a boy and being a tender boy um is absolutely fine um you know to have emotions yeah. and to be you know um vulnerable quieter introspective or to be a mm. you know rugby lad and all the muscles etc both are fine mm. but by saying it's toxic masculinity you're, you're kind of lumping boys all into into one basket and and i think if you yeah. if you change the phraseology to tender and non-tender behavior um i think it, it, yeah. it begins to reframe what what boys and i'm not defending anything to do with misogyny but it, it, it reframes what boys are having to deal with as as they're becoming boys that at the moment, yeah. everything is telling them it must be Andrew Tate and masculine and whatever. And, um, mm. and you know, our, our tender boys um, are being drawn into that non-tender world. What I'm worried about, I'm a father of two daughters and um, mm. I, I'm worried about the boys, you know, being a, being a male and you know, trying to help the boys navigate through it as males. But I'm also concerned about my two daughters in that um, one's, one's nearly 18 and one is, is 15. And um, they're both in, in mixed schools. And I, I'm really mm. frightened for them that they're going to grow up in a world where misogyny is is the norm, as as it yeah. was when, you know, in our, you know, maybe my parents' era or whatever, when, you know, yeah. the woman's wife was job, sorry, the, the woman's job was in the house and, you're a, you're a white yeah. home, you know, and, and, and that kind of casual misogyny that was available then is kind of brewing its head. And um, I think as well as educating the boys, and I think it is edu it mm. is having conversations. And the scary thing for me, I, I was on a webcast last week about um, Andrew Tate and there were 50 people on the webcast and only four were men. And which struck me as being, right. because wow. obviously it's it's females that are, you know, experiencing the misogyny, but I think it's mm. as important that men enter the conversation mm. and enter Absolutely. the conversation yeah, um, from a male perspective because, you know, it, it's as much a male problem as it is obviously the, the females experiencing it. And that really bothered me that, that I was one of four males there um, on our mm. working party 
um, it is predominantly female. Um, and mm. that kind of further, it further sort of cements into the mind of our students that it's a, you know, it's not a male thing to do or to be seen to be doing. And um, I think yeah. we've started to give um, staff scripts, um, um, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, what to do if this is said in your classroom. So de-escalate it, first of all, um, to not, you know, make a big thing, because I think some of our boys would like mm. an audience and would like to become yes. mini Andrew Tates themselves. So yes. to de-escalate it, to, and the language is, is of, I've heard your comment, it isn't acceptable, and I'll have the conversation with at the end why that wasn't acceptable, um, so that it can it's seen to be being dealt with, mm. um, but not a, not in a confrontational, right, you get out, in a way that is, well, hold on a minute, that's yeah. really not appropriate. And it's difficult sometimes, um, and it is. I think some of our staff are finding some of the more overt language very difficult to, to tackle. Um, such as you said there mm. about, you know, have a, you know, your sex life, or whatever. I have a lady who works next door to me who um, she's young, she's blonde. Um, and of course, some of the mm. language that she gets is horrendous. Mm. Um, and I think she finds it very difficult tackling that being said to her. So that's where yeah. people like me and, you know, I think males with experience to some extent that need to perhaps start to form the phalanx of this and being in the front of it um, and leading it and leading on it because um, mm. those conversations need to be had, you know, with males telling males that, you, that your, your behavior is wrong and your, your attitude is wrong and what mm. you're saying is wrong and why it's wrong and why as a male, I feel, I feel affronted yeah. by your language and, and what you're doing to my colleagues. Um, and I think, you know, what do we do about it? We, we have to make it, we've got to call it in rather than call it out. We have to equip mm -hmm. staff with the knowledge of, um, you know, what is it? Where's it come from? And, that, and that's, that's a whole yeah. vehicle in itself. And I think schools need to be making this really clear. I think, I think it needs to be done through assemblers. I think schools need to make, you know, really make the fact that inclusivity yeah. now is a really, really important aspect of life in general. And in the classroom, and yeah. be it female or, you know, homophobia or um, racism, um, I think we need, need to be calling yeah. it in. And I think as well, kind of one of the big things is don't just deal with the big, deal with the yeah. little as well. Um, so kind of, I, I don't have the statistics to hand, but there is a statistic I read a while ago that something like 60 to 70% of classroom teachers across primary and secondary are mm -hmm. female. Yeah. And that flips completely when you get to senior leadership. So even though the majority of teachers are female, the majority of senior leaders are male. And that just sends out this message mm. to kids that men are better at leading. And that, you know, it's it's a small thing in kind of some ways. But having something like that that you can change is just will make all the difference. And I think also boys on a similar thing with the um, boys in primary schools, I think, you know, if, you, if you're looking for some of the sort of beginnings of where some of these things come from, there there are so so few male teachers in, in, in primary schools. And I think, you know, and, mm. and a lot of sort of single parent families, sadly, it is the absentee father that is mm. is missing. Absolutely. And, you know, in the vacuum of a, of a male role model, um, they turn to, you know, rappers and sports people and, and whatever. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, mm. the young boys are looking for a role they're, they're looking for something to anchor their masculinity yeah. mm. to and sadly what they're being what they're being anchored to is this blatant Andrew Tate version of being a man not the, 
the tender side of being a man where you can be mm. romantic and kind and you know inclusive mm-hmm. and that's another reason why like you said when we're talking about these issues men should be there at the mm. table yes because they can then show a different role for men can't they in society a more supporting role and a more one that leads us to equality before we move on to our two stars and a wish i'd like to kind of finish with one more user feedback um so i've seen a few instances of pushback like what about men's rights or all lives matter just because people haven't quite understood the argument being made and become defensive sometimes it needs to be clarified that women's rights and men's rights aren't mutually exclusive the point is one side is coming from a position of inequity and needs greater attention and work to achieve equality It's certainly a difficult topic to get right to keep everyone from getting defensive when so many students have already formed such strong opinions. And that's from a maths teacher and a father. We've had so much amazing feedback for this episode. If you want to kind of get get your phrasing, get your words in, then please do email us at beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk. I'm really, really sorry we couldn't read you all. We were just had so many and it was fascinating reading them. We do read Mm. them all. So please do keep sending them in. It's your own time you're wasting. Ramblings from Beyond the Classroom with Marie and Jodie. There's not a lot they don't know about teaching. So we like to finish our podcast with two stars and a wish, which apparently Marie didn't know was a thing. Um, She thought it was just something they did at primary school. So, Mm. you know, maybe we need to rethink this. Um, does anyone have a star that they'd like to add from today? Yeah, I think I think the phrase. I think you know I've, I've done a lot of work on this, and I, and I like the language of calling it in rather than calling it out. And I think Absolutely, I think that yeah. um, it, it just just sounds more open. You know, if you're going to call these students in mm. for a chat, that's that's the start of things, isn't it? And if you're going to call it out, yeah. you label them, um, and I think you further entrench the view. Yeah. So I think my star would be to sort of change the language around this to to calling it in rather than calling it out um that was going to be mine to be honest neil um i think kind of i liked the example that you said that if it's on the corridor they get the consequence and kind of in the young man's light mind that then puts it in the same category as maybe not tucking in your shirt or chewing gum yeah or mm-hmm. kind of swearing even and this is just not in that mm-hmm. same category and so like swearing isn't obviously appropriate in most settings but it's not nearly as bad and so putting it in that same column yeah is going to mean that they think it's not as bad as it is so I think you're right kind of almost moving away from your standard behavior management systems that you've got Mm. and yeah call it in instead of calling it out I love it yeah I like that I'll tell you what I like though as well the thought of males finding it absolutely fine to be a tender male Mm. Yes. You know, my son's a, a definitely a tender male and mm-hmm. he's struggling with mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he finds it very intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so I like the thought of encouraging that culture that, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be like that. Do we have, I mean, I feel like our general wish is going to be like less misogyny. Um, but is there any more specific wishes that we'd like to add today? Do you have a specific wish? Uh, I think I, I think I said at the start. I, I I'm I, I get very upset and very concerned by the the the, the, the way that people can call themselves influencers. Um, and I think yes. uh, you know I don't have the ability to change the internet, but I I do have the ability to mm-hmm. reframe that. And I think 
as, as an influencer, I, I find that I find that quite an abhorrent use of, of language. I think I don't know quite how, but yeah. I wish that that wasn't able to be a thing. I wish you you couldn't just pop up on the internet and call yourself an influencer when you potentially have no mm-hmm. understanding or or the the education or the background <laughs> to be able to you know. We had the people coming on, you know, saying yeah. that the anti-vaxxers who have got no medical knowledge at all, mm-hmm. but they became yeah. believed. And, and it's a very dangerous world when anybody can put their opinion across when it's patently wrong um, or patently. So mm-hmm. I'd, I wish the influencer trend or whatever it is passes very quickly and we, and we get back to yeah. to people who have genuine opinions and ge- that, that, that are backed mm-hmm. up with evidence and, and, and education. Yeah. Yeah. I think my wish would be that young people understand that while teachers and adults might not be up to kind of scratch with the latest social media and the latest way of this being communicated, it's not a new phenomenon for media to be shifting views of people. Absolutely. In the past, sometimes that's been for the better. Often it's been for the worse. Even though the media, the medium is new, the kind of phenomenon isn't. So Mm. for young people to understand that, even though we don't understand TikTok, we still might know what we're talking about. And for parents yeah. to stop and listen and just understand what's out there as well. It's not, it can't all be on teachers, please. No, it can't. No, not everything else is, isn't it? Yeah, tell me about <laughs> I it. I think my wish would be to see more, um, more taught debate to teach mm-hmm. pupils the vocabulary of talking about these issues to help them to see both sides of issues and to help them to think independently and make their own mind up about what Mm. they think is right and wrong. That would be my wish. And as an English teacher, I have to say, I did strive in the classroom to achieve that very much. Um, I think English is a good place to do that because you can have open discussions about things. And I used to love giving them a controversial question and then sort of, you know, light the touch paper and yeah. then let it go. Um, but, yeah, that would be my wish. So on that note, thank you so, 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 so much for joining us. Yes, thank Neil. you. It's, it's been, been amazing. Fascinating. Um, and thank you to everyone who sent us in comments and so on. Please do keep doing it. It's beyond mailbag at twinkle.co.uk. And don't forget, Twinkle doesn't have an E on the end. She has to get that in at least once an episode. Yeah. <sighs> thank you so much for joining us. Like, Thanks, Neil. Follow, subscribe, and I'll see you all next time. This podcast is proudly produced by Beyond. Please bear in mind the views and opinions expressed are those of individuals and may not represent those of Beyond or Twinkle.